Crystal, please, please. Look, you've got nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, you've got a great body. And, and don't worry about what your parents think. I mean, parents love their children no matter what they do. Damn you, Kelly! <laughs> you ate my last Hershey's kiss! You're in the will! Get a open. No Man Presents, live from the Nudie Bar, the Married with Children Podcast. Welcome back to the Married with Children Podcast. This is Luigi. And I want to say something. Hey, Chris. You've been such a great co-host that I'm putting you in my will. Ha! You'll owe millions. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Uh, this is Chris. Uh, you have to give me just a second, though. Someone just slipped me a stick of dynamite cleverly disguised as a Cuban cigar. <laughs> and we have a special guest co-host tonight, Stefan. Hi, I'm Stefan. And with the last Hershey kiss, you're in the will, too. that's great we are reviewing season 10 episode 16 calendar girl original air date february 4th 1996 al wants to beat rival shoe shop owner babcock in something and puts his faith in bud who's in the same entrepreneurial studies class at tremaine as babcock's son little floyd each boy must come up with a product and a marketing campaign for it. Al sees that he'll get his revenge if Bud's project gets a better grade than Little Floyd's. When Kelly brings home a sexy guy's calendar, Bud decides to make a Girls of Tremaine calendar. All goes well, especially with stunning cover girl Crystal Clark, until, sounding very troubled, she has second thoughts about appearing in the calendar. Meanwhile, Peg is on the road searching for her dad to save her parents' marriage. Director, Amanda Burse. Writers, Fran Kaufer-Shimp. Special guest stars, Harold Sylvester as Griff. Victor Rader Wexler as Floyd Babcock. Krista Allen as Crystal Clark. John Patrick White as Little Floyd. Patty Breton as the Pilgrim Girl. Tina New as woman number one, Robin Krieger as TV host, and Lucky the Dog as Lucky the Dog. Sunday, you're invited to Foxy Ladies Night. First, Marge becomes the model of high society. You are looking fat. Then, Gina's getting a sexy new makeover and is driving Martin crazy. What you been shopping at, Gene? The Soul Train Garage sale? On Martin and Alan Bud are making a calendar that's so hot. The title for this episode comes from a very popular song by Neil Sedaka, Calendar Girl. The music was composed by Sedaka and the lyrics by Howard Greenfield. Recorded in 1960 and released in December of that year, it was a top five hit single for Sedaka, peaking at number four on the U.S. charts 
number three in Australia, and number one on the Canadian and Japanese charts. Also, Calendar Girl is a 1993 American comedy drama film starring Jason Priestley, Gabrielle Olds, and Jerry O'Connell. The film was directed by John Weitzel and directed by Paul W. Shapiro. Set in 1962, it tells the story of three young men who go on a trip to Hollywood to fulfill their dream of meeting Marilyn Monroe. It has similarities to the real-life story of Gene Scanlon, who in 1953 crossed America with a friend and had a date with Marilyn Monroe for which she paid the bill. Now, the first thing I want to point out is that this is one of four episodes of Married with Children, although only two songs that were written by Sadaka. Uh, this being Calendar Girl and uh, Breaking Up is Hard to Do, which is used for the three-part episode, Breaking Up is Easy to Do, in season 11. So are you guys familiar with the song? I'm not. Uh, the, the, uh, the Calendar Girl song? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've heard it. It's, it's an oldie one. You know, it's a, what, what we, you know, I guess someone my age would call an oldie. But yeah, I've definitely heard it. I know, like... Uh, I mean, both of you guys are millennials. So for me, like I'm a borderline, uh, I'm a Gen X slash millennial. <laughs> yeah. So what's, uh, what's interesting is when I was a kid, this is the type of music that my dad would listen to, the oldies station. So I remember riding around in the car with him and hearing these songs. So yeah. one of the things about Married with Children is that it really, I think, taps into the great American songbook. Yeah. These are the baby Absolutely. boomer songs of the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So we have Neil Sedaka. There's other. There's a bunch of other song titles that we hear, and you know, Annabelle also has a a list of all the songs that have ever appeared on Married with Children that have played in the background. So maybe one of these days, if I have time, we'll we'll put together a uh, a Married with Children song playlist. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, it really it does tap into the the great American uh, songbook. You know, Bad to the Bones, Tough Enough trying to think trying to think what else we hear over the years after midnight after midnight we're gonna sell a lot of shoes yeah <laughs> yeah how could you forget mm-hmm, him mm-hmm, yeah. that's right anna, anna yeah. steppenwolf born to be wild we have like percy sledge when a man loves a woman yeah uh, there's bobby gentry the ode to billy joe there's um junior walker and the all-star shotgun mm-hmm. I mean, just like uh, Elvis Presley, Heartbreak Hotel, yeah, Creedence Clearwater Revival, Who Stopped the Rain. I mean, just list just goes on and on. I mean, and this is really an ode to the music of the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. Mm-hmm. It's a miracle so, that, you know, this show is so available as it is, you know, with the music licensing. That's true. And a lot of times, like, for example, in this episode, when the, the song Calendar Girl plays, it's not actually Neil Sedaka's version. Mm-hmm. It's a studio version. So you, if you listen closely, it sounds like Neil Sedaka, but it's really not. But like I said, I, just, I think it's just interesting to hear that. Again, like I, as I said, they really play, pay tribute to the Great American Songbook, and I really appreciate that. So, Stefan, welcome. So you reviewed I Can't Believe It's Butter with... Stephen and Tyler. So you want to just give us some uh, reflections on that? Maybe your first time recording for the Married with Children podcast? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. You know, great to great to do it. That's definitely one of one of my favorite episodes and one that I remember from as a uh, kid. I don't know if I, yeah, if I mentioned this before, but it was one where a, a friend of mine. So like I, I first really started watching Married with Children around the year 2000, you know, when it was 
there were reruns uh, every night on Fox and FX. And my friend at the time in junior high, Peter, he was a huge Married with Children fan too. And he told me about, yeah, there's this really funny episode where, where Peg's mom op- starts a phone sex line out of their home. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, that sounds great. And then didn't disappoint. And then with this one, with Calendar Girl, funny enough, so I was hanging out a couple weeks ago with my friend Dan, who we were taught, like he's done some of the, the podcasts, like participated in, one episode of the Talkbuster podcast that have been a part of my friend Chris that we also did fighting films with. Uh, he runs a podcast where people that like worked at, you know, Blockbuster, or other video rental stores, share their memories. And Dan is one of those people. So he was a guest on that show. And anyways, so I told Dan about this and I told him about this episode and he he actually said, Oh, I remember that episode calendar girl. So I guess we'll get started. Mm-hmm. Like obviously, you know, people want to hear what our opinions are of this. By the way, I am a member of the LGBTQ plus community, openly gay, proud of it. So, you know, I think it's appropriate that I'm on this episode. <laughs> yeah, and we love it. We love having you and uh, we're really looking forward to hearing your opinion on it. All right. So we open with Alan Griff in the shoe store and we hear mention of Babcock shoes. What's with all the stampeding women? Well, either he knocked a janitor's dad's and bottomless again, or <laughs> Babcock Shoes is having another sale. Ah, I don't get it. I've been working in the same mall with Babcock for 20 years. What does his shoe store have that this one doesn't? Do you have any black pumps? Nope, never carry them. Then I'm going to Babcock's. Why does Floyd's business do better? So here's my first impression. Now, we have never heard of Babcock shoes before, ever. And uh, I wonder if it's a pun. Babcock is a, is a pun on Badcock. Could be, yeah. But... He was a 20. You didn't hear that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Now, this is what's interesting. They said that he's been there for 20 years. Now, I'm going to give a, uh, a callback uh, back to season two, episode 18, The Great Escape. When Peg makes mention of Morty's shoes. Excuse me, sir, but I'm going to do what all of your customers do. Go to Morty's for shoes, where they have much cuter salesmen and younger, too. This guy is pretty old. Maybe we should go to Morty's. I hope there is a really cute guy there. Old or not, in another second, I would have been all over this one. Why, Peg, why? Ah, because I thought I saw you starting to look happy. So Morty is definitely not Floyd Babcock. And, uh, you know, so what is it? Does this mall have three shoe stores in it? Oh, was was Morty's the one where she's like, that's where I get my shoes from? Exactly. I I do remember that. Yeah. I, I suppose. I mean... It is kind of weird that they wouldn't just, uh, you know, we've talked about this before, how they do episodic writing where there's not really a lot of, I mean, you know, we've come up with many, many examples where there's not continuity, but it is weird how they would introduce a new, a new shoe store. And Al says it's been there 20 years, but (laughs) we've never heard of it up to this point, but yeah. 
It would have been it would have been cooler if they would have said this is the owner uh, or manager of uh, Morty's shoe store, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. I mean, the only thing I mean, in terms of continuity is that we actually see Morty on screen. And, you know, oh, yeah. I think that it was depicted that Morty was single. So, in other words, Morty couldn't have had a son who was Bud's age. Right. OK. Yeah, that makes sense. OK. Yeah, I remember that. It's Morty. Oh, don't worry, honey. You got me. <laughs> right. Hey, Morty. Look what I got. Eat your heart out, buddy. And if we go back to the Alex days, it's like we're trying to like piece this together. But I mean, for me, I'm like, Babcock shoes. We've never heard of this before. Yeah. So, you know, but, I, I'm like, so, so that, that to me is like already like a first strike. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I was thinking, about, you know, I saw that in the notes, but I was like, you know, the mall right here by my house. I mean, it has, I don't know how many different shoe stores, although most of them are big name. I mean, it's like there's a foot action. There's the whatever the name of the store is replaced uh, Payless shoe store. And then there's like. I don't know how many different designer shoe stores, mainly for women and stuff like that, you know, but like my, uh, I mean, my, the mall by my house is pretty big, but it has God knows how many shoe stores in it. <laughs> That's funny. Cause I don't know if the mall of America even has three shoe stores. Oh, really? Yeah. Mine, ha- I mean, mine has, uh, you know, a couple that are mainly for sport, like sports related, you know, oh, there's also a Nike outlet inside my, uh, mall. So. I mean, you know, I, I, I'll tell you, I go to the mall of America, maybe, three times a year and I live less than 15 minutes from it. Like for people, uh, like people who live in the twin cities, the, with the mall of America is just like, eh, whatever. <laughs> right. Unless if you work there, you don't go there all the time. Right. Yeah. But that, that's pretty typical. I mean, you know, when you, you're typically never a tourist in your own city. You got right? it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was born and raised in New York city and I think I visited my first museum in New York city when I was, probably about 24 or 25 mm. <laughs> you know so so go figure I went, when i when i went there um because uh, queens is where my mom grew up and she we went back the summer after i graduated high school and her best friends her best friend from childhood i went to coney island with her her daughter and her boyfriend and she had never been to coney island and she was like 21 I think it's pretty typical for any of us. Yeah. Well, you know something funny I had in my notes. You know the 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 uh, the lady that walked in and asked for uh, black pumps. I, did you guys get the feeling that uh, they the writers missed a joke there for Griff? Because you know we've noted before that uh, Harold Sylvester gets all the African American jokes that come along. And did you guys notice when she said black pumps, someone in the audience goes, "Yeah." Like, did you get, did you guys hear that? Like they were expecting Griff to say something there. Yeah. <laughs> but he didn't I, say I, I believe you 100%. Yeah. Yeah. He, he could have said it's like, you know, <laughs> you could uh, slip into me or something like that. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like I sort of feel like the writers missed an opportunity because, you know, he, he gets all the African-American jokes, but he didn't say anything there. <laughs> he just stood there. <laughs> right. And, and okay, yeah. like, uh, uh, what kind of women, I mean, you know, and we know Gary's is, you know, not a successful business that's been established, but like right. a woman's shoe store that doesn't sell black pumps. Yeah. yeah. Keep, your, keep, your, <laughs> keep your finger on the pulse of the market. 
And, you know, I mean, this is, you know, again, middle of uh, season 10, episode 16. Uh, you know, I, I think we might have said already, Chris, it's like, at least from, you know, like my analysis, it's like, I feel like at this point, they weren't even trying anymore. Um, you know, like, I mean, to me, like some of the stuff with this episode, you know, before we get too far ahead is that it just seems so farcical. I mean, there is yeah. no hint of reality yeah. to right. this, particularly like, you know, in the Al scenes, more so than than Bud. Like the Bud scenes seem a little bit more r- real, but the Al scenes are just like pure farce. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, one of the things I noted in, in, you know, just looking at one of the episodes we reviewed recently, Barely Men, is a lot of times they have they have good ideas, but the writing isn't strong. Like they'll have a good plot, a solid plot, but the writing just isn't up to par at, at, at this stage in the series run. <laughs> Some of the jokes, like it's like they had the idea for the joke, but they don't write the second part of it or it doesn't hit the way you you think it would. I mean, that, that example right there, like I that would have been a great Griff joke right there when she said, I'm looking for some black pumps and he could have said, well, how about me, baby? Or something, you know, something, something real simple. How about me, baby? Or something, you know, <laughs> I mean, and I sort of feel like the audience was expecting that because when she said that, you can hear someone in the audience go, yeah, like they know, like they just suspect Grift is going to say something, <laughs> but nothing came. So anyway, so what, one of the things we find out now is that Babcock's shoes is between the world of carbuncles and the house of floss. You know, Griff, I think it's location. I doubt it. Babcock's is between World of Carbuncles and House of Floss. <laughs> well, whatever it is, just once I'd like to beat him. Griff, I'm gonna have to do something crafty. Well, maybe you could slip him a stick of dynamite cleverly disguised as a Cuban cigar. <laughs> <laughs> you idiot. Where am I gonna get a Cuban cigar? And what is a, what is a carbuncle? <laughs> Okay, so I had to look this up because I think we all know what floss is. So a carbuncle is a cluster of boils, painful pus-filled bumps that form a connected area of infection under the skin. And a boil, it, it forms when your skin, uh, when, when the bacteria are infected and flame around one of your hair follicles. <laughs> So I'm like, okay. I think I think I would be embarrassed just to go into a carbuncle store. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, whew, that sounds painful. Yeah. The next piece of dialogue talks about this a Cuban cigar wrapped uh, in a stick of dynamite. I mean, that's just straight out of Looney Tunes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about having a cigar? Gee, thanks. Hmm, nice. Well, I think I'll have to be going now. Oh, no, you can't leave yet. You gotta have a nice cup of tea with me. Here we are. There's nothing as sociable as a nice cup of tea. Uh, I always say. Uh, how many lumps do you want? Oh, three or four. Oh, dear, I gave you one too many. Well, we can fix that. Here's a cigar for you. So Al makes note that uh, someone's coming who smells, who reeks of Old Spice and bacon. (laughs) Griff, is it me or is there the smell of Old Spice and bacon in the air? (laughs) 
Old Spice is an American brand of male grooming products encompassing deodorants and antiperspirants, shampoos, body washes, and soaps. It is manufactured by Procter & Gamble. Old Spice was launched as an early American Old Spice by William Lightfoot Schultz Soap and Toiletries Company, Schulten Incorporated, back in 1937. It was first targeted to women, uh, with the men's product being released before Christmas at the end of 1937. Old Spice now sells male grooming products, including antiperspirant, deodorant sticks, and body wash. Wake up. Wake up with Old Spice and feel the freshness of the open sea. Wake up with Old Spice. Feel the spray on your face and the wind at your back. Come on, wake up to the freshness of the open sea with Old Spice and get a super smooth shave with Old Spice Shave Cream. So you guys familiar with the scent? Yeah. Yeah, I was, yeah. Um, for, for for years, it was a staple for, for my dad. The the white, you know, the glass kind of bottles after shave. You can picture them, right? You know what I mean? My grandfather used to wear it. So, like, whenever, like, I get this, like, whenever I smell that thing, that's like, it, it takes me back to that, you know? I mean, like, I'll use, like, for example, Old Spice deodorant, right? But not, mm -hmm. like, the aftershave. I think uh, most women would probably puke. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I use if, I know, hearing the, that right the uh fiji one the antiperspirant sure yeah it's good but the like i said but i think like the classic old spice i think it was uh you overused i mean it mm -hmm. was even uh quoted in uh this famous uh, billy joel song keeping the faith you know he talks about you know the old spice aftershave mm -hmm. all right so in comes big floyd and little floyd Hello, Babcock. Bundy, glad you're here. Though if you weren't, sales might improve. <laughs> it's so busy at my store that my son here, little Floyd, can't study. Well, if you're looking for peace and quiet, don't take him home where the Chicago Bulls are practicing layups with your wife. <laughs> oh, ow, an adultery joke. You see, Bundy, that doesn't work on a guy with two beautiful mistresses. You didn't hear that. Yes, Dad. Come on, Babcock. You didn't bring your boy who suspiciously looks like Dennis Rodman. So Floyd uh, insults Al and says that they wanted to come to pl some place that was quiet. <laughs> and uh, so Al says that uh, Floyd should take him home where the Chicago Bulls are practicing layups with his wife. <laughs> Another good adultery joke there. Yeah. So I'm going to give you a call back here. Another one. back Again, another one back to season two. So Peggy loves Al. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember when Marcy's in the cake? Yep. Yep. The very end, she was came in the Chicago's Chicago Bulls locker room. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, you know, they seem to be channeling the past, but um, I mean, it's it's falling up a little flat this time. I think it was funny the first time we saw that, right? Yeah. So then we have another, this other adultery joke. That doesn't work on a guy with two beautiful mistresses. And then, you know, Floyd has to effectively bribe his son, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> he says that little Floyd suspiciously looks like Dennis Rodman. <laughs> right. And he obviously doesn't. <laughs> Just a 90s topical yeah. joke. Yeah. That's your neck of the woods, right, uh, Chris? 
Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Dennis Rodman is an American retired professional basketball player who played for the Detroit Pistons, San Antonio Spurs, Chicago Bulls, L.A. Lakers, and Dallas Mavericks in the NBA. He was nicknamed the Worm and is famous for his fierce defense and rebounding abilities. And I'll add on that, he's also famous for his larger-than-life antics, both on the court and off. (laughs) You know, know, he had the, the, the colorful hair, the... The body piercings, the tattoos, and and by the way, you know, the, which is all pretty common in the year 2022. But back in the early to mid 90s, it, that was, that was very unusual, and not only in sports but also just in everyday life to see a public figure with dozens of different hair colors and and body tattoos. And he had the had the affair with Madonna. He was married to Carmen Electra for a short period of time. He's he's lived a larger than life uh, life that's for sure. I, I actually met him a couple of years ago. I'll uh, I'll I'll post that picture in the uh, in the comment section when we post that. But yeah, I met him a couple of years ago. He's a nice nice guy. And didn't you also meet Carmen Electra? I sure did. Yeah, I met them. Uh, so I I got to it was the timing of this event was so weird. I, I was a volunteer worker at this uh, sports convention. Uh, it was a sports slash television convention. And anyway, so I got to do uh, meet and greets with them for free and take pictures and stuff like that. It was really weird. It was a really weird weekend. It was the Sunday that I met all of them was the day of Kobe Bryant's death. So I, uh, you know, I have that that day imprinted in my memory bank because that was the day that that Kobe Kobe died. So, but yeah, he was a nice guy. Him and Carmen Electra both. So we find out that little Floyd and Bud are in class together in this entrepreneurial studies class at Tremaine University. You didn't bring him down here just to study. You're right. This is more of a life lesson. You see, my son, little Floyd, and your son, little nobody, are in the same entrepreneurial studies class at Tremaine. And we both have to come up with a product and a marketing campaign. (laughs) And you brought little Dweebo here to the mall. To see how real businesses work. Yes. And to your store to see how they don't work. So, you see, son, when you create your marketing product, what are you not going to do? (laughs) Don't worry, Bundy. You'll beat me at something someday, maybe. (laughs) Just kidding. Your wife's uglier than my wife. (laughs) Oh, good one, Al. That's it. If I can't beat Babcock in business, I'll beat him where it hurts. In the nads. (laughs) Close. His son. Great. I'll keep the car running while you hit that little guy with a bag of oranges. (laughs) That's what they expect me to do. No. I'll get my revenge when Bud beats little Floyd in his marketing project. Bud's product, whatever it is, will be pure genius. And now Al wants Bud to beat little Floyd so that he can have something to gloat with uh, big Floyd. Now, this is also another callback. I mean, doesn't this remind you of when Peggy meets Mimi Stokes and she wants to beat them in bowling? made oh and did i tell you the loser has to dress up as a human trophy oh the humiliation i'm finally gonna beat her thank you bud 
Yes. Thank you, bud. I'm the good one now. <laughs> yeah, it kind of does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so. I feel like that they, they, they've done this more than once. I mean, there's always a competition angle with this family. Yep. Yeah, it's always like, you know, my kid is better than yours, and they come up with some goofy, kooky uh, <laughs> idea to prove it. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's pretty common for, you know, sitcoms in the 90s. Yeah. And it's also, sadly, I, I think it, they did actually tap into something that happens in real life. If you don't believe me, you can just go to any Little League baseball game or even like a YMCA level basketball uh, game. You know, it's like parents push their kids to the limit. And, and um, a lot of times it ends up not being fun for the kids because the parents just want to prove that that their kid's a better pitcher than the other kid or their kid's a better uh, basketball player than the other kid or better at the science project or what have you. <laughs> there was an so. excellent, excellent South Park episode that addressed that really well. Oh, is there? <laughs> yeah. Al actually gets interested in what Bud's doing in college, which I think is uh, very atypical of Al. <laughs> and he wants to know like, uh, what Bud's big invention is. And we find out that it's a hands-free page turner. And now, the Bundy hands-free page turner. (laughs) This is what you're planning on marketing. I don't know why I let you put yourself through college. Son, don't you understand? This project is very important. Dad, I didn't know you cared so much about my education. Well, I don't. (laughs) This is about me and Floyd Babcock. See, I've never been able to beat him in business. Yeah, so order some nice shoes and have a sale. (laughs) Why would I work that hard when I have you? (laughs) See, but his son and you are in the same class. Now, all you have to do is get a higher grade than him on this project, and I'll have my revenge. See, this is exactly why I didn't play Little League. (laughs) No, son, you didn't play Little League because you threw like a girl. (laughs) What sells in the 90s is the same thing that has sold since the beginning of time. What shoes? Sure, of course, that's why we're living here in the lap of luxury. (laughs) But I'm talking about sex. (laughs) So what, you want me to become a pimp? No, you'd have to be able to protect your girls for that. Well, what then, Dad? Why do I have to think of everything? You're supposed to be the smart one. <laughs> <laughs> which, which I thought was really kind of dumb, to be honest, because we, we've established already that Bud is, Bud is actually pretty smart. I mean, we know that. We've seen, we've seen many examples of that. He's the one member of the family that's pretty smart. And the best thing that he can come up with is a hands-free page turner (laughs) you know what i mean yeah i think another throwback is you know they al had a better invention with the shoe lights family on a guess (laughs) kelly we're not going on until you stop choking (laughs) now where was that Take you back to yesterday. 
There I was taking out the garbage as usual when I tripped, fell, and my head landed in the trash. <laughs> Normally, I just hang out there with my hopes and dreams for a while. <laughs> but not this time. This time, a thought hit me. How can we as a people avoid this? Put a light bulb outside. <laughs> Well, I suppose that would work, too. What happens if we don't have no light bulbs? Get a flashlight? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's obvious that you're not going to guess, so I have to show you. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to the wave of the future, the Bundy Shoe Lights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right right that that was a much better invention yeah yeah i mean eventually i mean as the technology got better you had shoe lights right yeah well heck even the you know the god shoes there's uh you remember the god shoes episode but i really did see him look dad please don't tell anybody else about this because nobody is dumb enough to believe you what actually what does god look like dad <laughs> i don't know i couldn't take my eyes off his shoes <laughs> You saw God's shoes. They were perfect, kids. Close-fitting, surrounding each toe individually, probably a soft-worked kid leather. Well, what did you say to God? I said, where'd you get those shoes? <laughs> you had one chance to talk to the eternal creator of time, space, and the infinite universe, and all you asked is where he got his shoes? Well, did you tell him your football stories? It was God, you idiot. He knows my football stories. Actually, I asked him something very important. I said, what socks did he wear with those? You know what he said? Don't need them. They're sewn in. There are, uh, yeah, there are shoes that, that exist now that are very similar to those. Uh, they're shoes that people mainly wear like at the gym and stuff like that. I don't know if you guys have seen them, but. Every time I see someone wearing those around, I think of God's shoes. I guess I've never noticed those. Yeah, they're they're lo loosely similar. They're sort of like, how do I describe them? I'll, I'll post a picture of them so everybody can see them. But whenever I see people wearing those to the gym, I think of God's shoes every time. Because has, it has the toes outlined and everything, just like God's shoes. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I've seen those on uh, Amazon. I, I know exactly what you're talking about, Chris. Yeah. Al tells Bud that he's disappointed at him because uh, uh, Bud wasn't very good uh, little league player because he says that he threw like a girl. Uh, foreshadowing. Uh, foreshadowing. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you know, I mean, it's they're going for like a quick joke, you know, because Al like you know, has to effectively insult his son. But I don't know. I, I, so far, these darts are just like are, are, are not landing. Mm -hmm. they're, they're not landing anywhere near the bullseye. But Al has a great idea. He says that uh, what sells in the 90s is the same thing that has sold since the beginning of time. And that is sex. Damn right. So, so he's saying instead of becoming a pimp, he says, so you want me to become a pimp? He says, no, you'd have to be able to protect your girls for that. <laughs> That's funny. You know, there's an old saying, and it goes that there's two things that make the world go round. You know what they are? 
Money and sex, man. You got it. Money and sex. And if you think about it, the two related. If you have one, you're probably going to get the other. If you got money, you're going to be able to get some sex. If you got sex appeal, you're going to be able to make money. <laughs> and it's it's true. It's not and called it's, the oldest profession in the book for nothing. No. Right. <laughs> if you remember from Abundant for Life. But quick. What's more important? Love or money? Well, money, Dad, I can always rent love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you know, Al was definitely on to something. He actually had a good idea. We'll see what that translates into as, uh, as we could go along. So now Peg calls in. <laughs> Hello. Hi, Al. Peg? Yeah, it's me. I'm just on my way out to find Dad. Well... <laughs> When, when did you leave? Yesterday. Well, no wonder the sex was good last night. Oh, but don't worry, Al. I'll be home just as soon as I find Dad. And believe me, I am leaving no stone unturned. Where are you? Well, I just left Tiffany's. You wouldn't believe how big some of their stones are. You gotta see some of mine. I just felt a big one leave my kidneys and head for my urinary tract. <laughs> now look, Peg, don't go using this trip as an excuse to spend all my money. Al, I am trying to save my parents' marriage. This is not about you and your stupid money. Now look, I gotta go. I'll call you later. <laughs> that was Mom? Yeah. Yeah, she left us. <laughs> Mom's gone? Yeah. Was it something I did? I don't Maybe. Mm-hmm. This yeah, begins the this arc, which, in my opinion, her... I get that her absence was needed because Katie Seagal was, you know, having a baby. But... Yeah, this this whole thing I think is a big reason why season ten is weak. Her absence, I and mean, she was still pre pre recorded, but you know, still. My issue is, where the hell does Peg get money to shop at Tiffany's and ride in a limo? I mean, she's got a cell phone. In nineteen ninety six, a cell phone would have been expensive as hell, I would assume. My family damn sure didn't have cell phones in ninety six, and she's riding in a limo. She's shopping at Tiffany's. I mean, we've established Al makes what. Three dollars and twenty cents an hour, or something like that. Like where three twenty five. Three twenty five. Oh yeah, that's right. He got a raise. <laughs> like where? The, how the hell does she have money for a cell phone, a limo, shopping at Tiffany's? Like, I mean, what in the world? <laughs> uh, it's something I just learned to accept with the show. I mean, yeah, like the, the big thing for me <laughs> is how often these people travel. The same with the Simpsons. Yeah, and I'm just like, yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> Stefan, as you mentioned, I mean, this begins the story arc, and we're not going to see Peg in the living room until the last episode of the season. Mm -hmm. The joke's on Al. And for our viewers, Katie Seagal was pregnant with her son Jackson at this point in time. So, I mean, he's now well over the legal limit. I mean, so this is now, what, 26, 27 years? He's, uh, I'm assuming in 2022, he's going to be 26, right? Yep years old so uh and absolutely you no know, uh, good good for her for you know successfully having a kid after what happened you know, yeah i mean because i mean over the yeah, course of, mar of married with children her time on married with children the 11th season she was pregnant three times mm -hmm. 
I'm glad, at least on a personal level for her, that you know she was able to do that and the producers supported her during this time period. Absolutely. And, and you know, every... Yeah, definitely. And her miscarriage, too. They, that's, you know, she was gone for yep. that, too. They, yeah. So enter Kelly, who gives Bud a great idea. Well, look, Bud, the important thing is that you come up with a good idea for this project. One that'll beat little Floyd. Son, you're my last chance. My children are my only hope. Hey, guys. My new calendar came in. The buns of us. <laughs> Looks like it's just down to you, son. Oh, my God. Look at these buns. Oh, I knew I should have gone to Usk. <laughs> Kelly? I think you just imbeciled onto a great idea. What, sending me to Usk? <laughs> Making a calendar like this for Tremaine. You want to make a calendar of men's butts? <laughs> I'm talking about doing a calendar of the girls of Tremaine. See, all I'll need is a camera and 12 beautiful women. Well, let's see. You have your Lieutenant Uhura doll, Barbie, Isis, Strawberry Shortcake. Oh, and uh, that little pink sock you put on your hand and call Missy. Yeah, go ahead and scoff now, Kel. But I'm telling you, if I put out a casting call and say I'm making movies for HBO, beautiful women will come. Oh, yes, they will come. This is funny, like, you know, calendars. In 2022, whether this is the buns of USC or University of Southern California, right? Or whether it was a, a Playmate calendar. I mean, these are things that you really don't see anymore. At my boyfriend's house, he still has one. Okay, is it a current one? Yeah. Okay, like, you know, in other words, for like the current year? Mm-hmm. It's just like, I remember in the 90s and even in the 80s, like it used to be very common. Like you, yes. know, you could go, you know, lots of places and you'd see them. But it's just, they're just not as common. I mean, I'm not saying that they're gone. They're just not as common, right? Yeah, it's it's one of those things. I mean, growing up, I always, the big thing for me was I always had basketball calendars, mainly the Rockets. Sometimes it was one that featured different NBA stars, but I can't remember the last time I, I bought a calendar for myself. I just use my phone for everything now. It's like having a watch. Yeah. Right. It's like a watch now is is almost like um, it's just like you wear it for fashion now. I mean, like you, you still like I, I still have watches that I wear, but I don't really use them for their intended purpose. You know, it's more of a fashion thing now because it, it's like it's amazing how many how many different things smartphones have changed like 50, 60 years ago having a. You know, a pocket watch, for example, was a sign of prestige and wealth and power, well, probably longer than 50 years ago for that. But you get the point. Like, when was the last time you saw someone walking around with a pocket watch, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, and unironically. Yeah. yeah, and you're absolutely right. It's more like a piece of fashion because it's like I have like a collection of watches. I mean, I have like probably watches that go back 20 to 25 years, yeah. you know, whether they be battery operated or they're just wind up watches. It's like if I if I want to know exactly what time it is, I'm going to pull out my smartphone, which yeah. is, you know, exact to the millisecond versus my <laughs> traditional watch, which might be off by a, by a few minutes. Because now it's yeah. like precision is so important to us today yeah. as it was maybe like, you know, 25 right. years ago. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I just think of the the movie. Have you ever seen the movie Forgetting Sarah Marshall? With um, yeah, where they're like, where he's with Paul Rudd and they're on the water. And he's like, and Paul Rudd's like, yeah, you know, I haven't, I don't, I haven't, you know, owned a watch since I've lived out here. And he's like, oh, you don't want to be a slave to time? No, I have my phone. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, I, I do want to talk about just some one minor thing, and I don't know if this really goes into the bucket of continuity, but has more to do with place. So. Kelly talks about the buns of USC and later on she mentions the buns of UCLA, which would be, (laughs) you know, UCLA, right? Mm -hmm. Now, the thing is, is that the series takes place in Chicago. So wouldn't you expect her to have a calendar of the buns of like one of the universities in the Chicago area, as opposed to those in California? Because again, you know, since the show is written in California, I guess they're going that route. But I mean, to me, it's like, wouldn't you want something more local? I mean, I suppose, but I think also Californians are known for being more like it's known for being one of the most attractive states. I feel like that's true. The, the only other thing I can think of is maybe they they were they couldn't come up with a Chicago school that had an acronym that worked for the like she can say usk really easy easily and i think everybody will pretty quickly know that that's university of southern california and then the next one was a ucla i forget what exactly what she said but everybody knows U- that, UCLA. that everybody yeah ucla everyone knew right off the bat that was ucla you know <laughs> like i'm trying to think of a chicago school that she could say where the joke would work Right. Now, Kelly says you, you want to make a calendar of men's butts. So to me, like, that's a call back to Kelly Does Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Today's topic, cute butts and the men they're attached to. Hi, welcome to my show. I'm Kelly. There's a good amount of callbacks in this episode. I'll give them that. As you look, as you go through the transcript and you go line by line, I mean, yeah, I mean, we can now mind you, now you have 10 years worth of, I mean, if you look at the the number of episodes that have been produced up to this point in time, you're talking about 200, this is the 225th episode in the series. Um. So just to put that into perspective. Now. Kelly makes reference to, to an insulting bud of a Lieutenant Uhura doll, Barbie, Isis, and Strawberry Shortcake. Mm-hmm. I got it. So for me, this is, you know, really random, but, and it doesn't, you know, I mean, so like Isis, there is, there is, um, I'll admit I loved, loved uh, America's Next Top Model when it, when it was on. And there was a trans contestant on uh, cycle 11 of that show named isis king the first trans contestant in the show's history so i, I kind of i i got a little kick out of that considering where this the where this episode is going to go yeah. well you know one of the things i've said about isis is that i don't believe it's the same isis because technically when bud has referred to isis and she's been on screen she's been blonde so we've seen a couple of blow-up dolls in season 10, but they have been uh, brunette or black-haired women <laughs> dolls. I guess I'm not. So it's, it's, so, it's not, so it's not the blonde Isis. So I, I, he's, he's cheating on her. Annabelle and I have had a disagreement on this. 
I'm trying to be very specific. It's like I think the blonde is Isis, and these are other 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 girls where he's cheating on her with, right? Yeah, he's cheating on her. Man. He's like, <laughs> it's 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 kind of funny. You know, the thing that we've pointed out many times is that at, at this stage of the show's run, Bud is is getting laid on at least what I would call fairly regular occasion, and with some pretty damn good looking women too. <laughs> it's kind of funny that he. It keeps going back to a rubber blow up doll anyways, but <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, it's a really great point that you make Chris, because it's like all of these girls are like playboy quality women. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, which is like totally like, again, I mean, in real life, I, I couldn't expect that. Yeah. That's you know? what I'm saying. I mean, I mean, even like the, the ones that are not playboy playmates, I mean, like, you know, my personal favorite is Amber from season nine. You know, we we, we interviewed Juliet Tablack. It's like, she's a damn good looking woman, you know? And, you know. I'm just saying, no, I, when I said Playboy, Playboy Caliber, oh, yeah. I'm just saying she, she could. She could have definitely yeah. been. It. You know, and we've got, we've got Ariel. Or, or Ariel. We've got Ariel coming That's up. That's right. Got, I mean, he's getting laid on regular occasion by some damn good looking women. <laughs> so. Lieutenant Uhura, Nichelle Nichols, is an American actress, singer, and voice artist. She sang with Duke Ellington and Lionel Hampton before turning to acting. Nichols played uh, Nyota Uhura in the Star Trek television series, as well as succeeding in the motion pictures. Nichols' role was groundbreaking as a future role model for African-American female characters on American television. She also worked to recruit diverse astronauts to NASA, including women and ethnic minorities. By the way, I will apologize to anyone if I mispronounce that. I'm a Star Wars guy, not a Star Trek guy. So if I said that wrong, I do apologize ahead of time. Strawberry Shortcake is a cartoon character originally used in greeting cards published by American Greetings, but who was later ex- expanded to include dolls, posters, and other products. So now Kelly uh, tests out the page turner. Well, I will say this. Kelly was, sure was impressed by the Bundy page turner, wasn't she? <laughs> Hands-free she page She definitely turner. was. She, she liked it. <laughs> oh, cool. Page turner for my calendar. <laughs> and we cut to the shoe store, and we have this bevy of beauties. Mm-hmm. So we have for the month of December... A blonde in a Santa suit. We have a brunette in a bridal outfit. And I'm thinking that must be the month of May. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, probably. You know, I mean, like, it's not explicit, but I figured May May seems to make sense for, like, a bride, you know, in springtime. For the July, we have a brunette redhead as the Statue of Liberty. And for November, we have a pilgrim girl who is Patty Breton. That, that was great. That was the best shoot of the day. Thanks, bud. You know, I was a little nervous about doing this at first because, well, all my friends say you're a perverted horn dog. <laughs> but you're really not. Hmm, well, thanks. Uh, by the way, did you, did you drop your contact lens on the floor there? I thought I... Oh. I saw <laughs> Blocking my shot. It's okay, Jefferson. 
I believe that we now have photographed the back of every shoebox in Chicago. Just as we intended for that coffee table book of shoebox backs. Well, uh, to the photo, Matt. Patty Breton or Patricia Cornwall today. She was an X Raiders cheerleader, a former Playboy model. Uh, she was on Baywatch, and she's also worked as a realtor in addition to having been on Married with Children. Yeah, chances are I probably watched her on uh, Baywatch and didn't even make the connection because that was a show that I uh, watched back in the 1990s. Now, Patty Breton was recently in the news. Oh, was that the one? Uh, <laughs> it remind me, was that the one where she had the issue on the plane? Yes. Oh my <laughs> yeah. God, that was her. So, yeah. Yep. I, I can't talk too much on that, just because it, you know the the mask on planes uh, issue is is such a hot topic uh, right now. All I'll say is that the law of the land will prevail, and we'll just have to wait and see what happens. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't, I can't get into that too much. Look, I mean, we we try not to be political on this show, <laughs> and we're not going to go down that road. Yeah. I mean, whatever anyone's opinion is, pro mask or anti mask, I mean, it's whatever your opinion is, it's fine. I think that it was just, um, it just seemed that uh, she was had like an over the top reaction to what was happening on the plane. And <laughs> it gave her a little bit of notoriety after she's been sort of under the radar for quite some time <laughs> since the nineties. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Hey, but by the way, didn't, did anyone else think it was weird that, um, I, I mean, wouldn't these women suspect that this shoot, this shoot is like, um, not legit because they're holding it inside of a shoe store. <laughs> like, wouldn't you expect a reputable uh, photographer to have a studio or, you know, something other than a shoe store at the mall? <laughs> I mean, they're getting paid. Well, yeah. So in the shoe store, we have, uh, you know, Bud working a camera and we have Jefferson and Griff behind a wall of shoes taking pictures. <laughs> a makeshift wall. <laughs> totally doesn't look suspicious at all, right? <laughs> right. I thought it's funny, like, you know, it's like, hey, did you drop your contact lens on the floor? And, you know, so, you know, she's giving the boys a show right there. So when that wall comes down, this is like, you know, they said that, you know, they're they're making a coffee table book of shoebox uh, backs. That sort of reminds me of uh, Seinfeld. Remember in Kramer, he made like a, a coffee table book of coffee tables. Can I bring out our next please, guest now? please. Young guys, got a new book coming out, and it's about, and this is the best part. I love it. It's this. a coffee table book about coffee tables. Yeah. Is huh? that clever? Yeah. Well, I nice. think that is so clever. Yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> did you get to meet him backstage? I did. I, I mean, he looks like a fun room. guy, doesn't he? I, I love his hair. Yeah. Oh, I do, too. This guy could be a little bonkos, really. Anyway, <laughs> if you will, would you please welcome Kramer. Oh, I don't know. God. Yes. <laughs> Kramer. 
So, yeah. coffee table book oh. about coffee tables. Yeah. Where'd you come up with this idea? Uh, well, I'll tell you, uh, Regis. Uh, actually, this is a true story. I, uh, I was skiing at the time. You know, when I'm skiing, yeah. Kramer, I'm trying not to kill myself. <laughs> You're writing books. Yeah. Well, now, you kids don't go out and try that. <laughs> you stay in school. <laughs> Have you always had an interest in coffee tables? Because really, I, I love coffee tables, oh. and, I, and I thought I was the only one. See, the beauty of my book is, if you don't have a coffee table, it turns into a coffee table. <laughs> Tell you this guy was Bunkos? <laughs> this coffee table is full of pictures of celebrities' coffee tables. That's true. Hmm. That's right. Yeah? Well, I'm not in there. Where's mine? Oh, it's on file right here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, this guy's Bunkos. He really is. But he's Buddy. adorable. Yeah, he is. He's a nice looking guy. <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember that. I, I, I haven't seen a lot of Seinfeld, I'll admit. And they make also reference of going to the photomat. Again, something in the 90s that, you know, to the world of 2022, most uh, most young people under the age of 20 have probably never seen one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so in comes Al with Floyd and Little Floyd. What is it, Al? I'm trying to run a business. But you wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> yeah, like I wouldn't know about you trying on women's shoes after closing. You didn't hear that. Babcock, I just brought you here to show my genius son and what his class project is. It's the calendar of the girls of Tremaine. She's Miss November. It's not bad, Bundy. But I'm sure my son can top that. <laughs> What's your project, little Floyd? Okay. <laughs> I've invented a printer that is simultaneously compatible with both IBM's and Macintosh's. It'll revolutionize the computer industry. You win, Bundy. How dare you take my name, little Floyd? From this moment forth, I shall refer to you only as little. That's funny. That's how mom refers to you. You didn't hear that. Damn if I didn't. So you have to admit that uh, Al finally says that uh, his genius son, you know, Al calls Bud his genius son, uh, shows him what the class project is while uh, Miss November is on the floor (laughs) looking for her contact. (laughs) (laughs) Still. So Little Floyd's project is inventing a printer that is simultaneously compatible with both IBM's and Macintosh's. So I actually want to take a a step back and talk about this one. I don't know if you guys know, but this was actually a thing back in the 80s and 90s, early 90s, though. Today, when you go in and buy a printer, a printer is... There's no such thing today as just a printer that'll work like on a Windows machine versus a Mac computer. But this was true in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like, you know, you could buy a printer, like an HP printer, just to give you the idea. They weren't at that time. That could just work, that would work on both. Literally, there were IBM compatible printers and there were 
Mac compatible printers and you couldn't use them interchangeably. So it actually was a good idea, but by 1996, printers were not operating system specific. So like that was one of the things that confused me because I think even back in 1996, I was thinking to myself, like, you know, I think you can, you can buy a printer that works on both. So it just seemed like a very weak idea for little Floyd. I don't know. Do you guys remember this? Probably not. I don't really remember it. I mean, yeah, like if it was 10 years earlier, that would have been really cool. Yeah, I don't. I don't have much, much remembrance of that. I mean, I you know my, my my family didn't. We didn't get our first computer as a family until I was I was a freshman in high school, so <laughs> late nineties. So I had my first computer I bought was nineteen ninety or nineteen ninety one. It was an IBM computer, and it was sort of like all you know. You sort of bought the computer and the printer. Everything was IBM, but. You know, by I got my second computer in 1997, about a year after this aired, because at that point I wanted to go online. So the technology in seven years had changed a lot. So, you know, in order for you to go online with a modem, <laughs> I think like by 1990, you probably had a 96 baud modem. Was it 9,600? And then you were talking by that point, like a 24K or a 56K in the mid to late 90s. This is the days before broadband, which is probably <laughs> sounds like the Stone Age to you guys, but that's the way it was. I believe it. <laughs> All right. So Big Floyd says that Al wins <laughs> as they're looking at the Pilgrim Girl. <laughs> I thought this was funny. Hey, I just remembered something. I don't wear contact lenses. <laughs> I'll see you in astrophysics tomorrow, Ben. I'll be right behind you. <laughs> Right. Now, let me tell you, I took a lot of physics classes. Like, I went to engineering school, and I never had a, a female classmate that looked like her. I'll tell you what, I'm about to go enroll in a class myself. <laughs> and remember, this was right after she remembered, after like five minutes, that she didn't wear contacts. After <laughs> looking for her for five minutes. <laughs> yeah, that, that's her, her a token, stupid, uh, mm-hmm. you know, joke. All right. Now we get introduced to Crystal Clark. You guys think she's great? I've got Crystal Clark to be on the cover of my calendar. You got Crystal Clark? Uh, who's Crystal Clark? Right here. Al, I've got an idea. Divorce our wives and move to Saudi Arabia so we can both marry Crystal? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Who in, in, and I will say... In my opinion, she's one of the probably, in my opinion, one of the hottest women to appear on the show. I, I think she's stunning. She's, in my opinion, she looks a lot like Megan Fox, who I, I love. Yeah, I, I see that. Yeah, she's she's definitely up there. You know, if we're, if we're talking the pyramid of, of hot women and, I, and children. She's definitely up there. And I'm biased. Uh, I'm not. I'm not as into blondes as a lot of other people are. I'll admit that. I'm more dark hair. Stefan Alex is in the same camp as you. I mean, he loves J-Lo. Yeah. He's definitely not into blondes. He, he likes uh, the darker, darker hair and a little darker skin. I agree. Well. One, one thing I'll tell you guys, oddly enough, is um, 
one of the hottest girls that would like, you know, when this episode came out, I was 12 years old. So one of the cool things that's that's about one of the things that is kind of cool about this era of the show is that I'm old enough at this point to to very vividly remember uh, my first time watching these. And it was all first run from from this pretty much from around season uh, six on, I think is where I can, I can really remember watching first run. And, uh, anyways, one of the prettiest girls that I went to school with growing up throughout middle school, junior high and high school was named Crystal Clark. <laughs> so that's funny. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. We got Crystal Clark on TV here. <laughs> was she aware of it? What did you think of it? <laughs> she was way too pretty for me to, she was, she was a cheerleader. She was way out of my league. So I don't even think she even knew I existed. <laughs> so so what do we know about Krista Allen? So Krista Allen is an American stand-up comic and actress. She is best known for her work in the television series Days of Our Lives and Baywatch and in the Hollywood film The Final Destination and playing lead character Emmanuel in the erotic movie series Emmanuel in Space. She also portrayed the eponymous character in the CW series Significant Mother and was featured in anger management with Adam Sandler. So, and I, uh, yeah, I, I got to go back and look at that. Though. Yeah, and before we started this review, I uh, pulled her up on Instagram and, and looked at her. She's still very beautiful to this day. She still looks great to this day. Looks very happy too, and looks very active. So, yeah, well, she she had to write the her name on. Didn't they refer to her on the Final Destination as Milf? Was this what she was credited? <laughs> characters did like we lost a hot milk. She she had the her death, and I will say that movie is by far. I love the Final Destination movies, and that one is by far the weakest one of the series. But um, I remember her death, where it was like the the rock through the lawnmower, and it like went right through her eye. Yeah, and you forgot to mention right one of the first roles after this episode where she was the elevator girl in Liar Liar. <laughs> Hi. Hi. New in the building? Yeah, I just moved in Monday. Oh. You like it so far? Mm-hmm. Everybody's been real nice. Well, that's because you have big jugs. I mean, your boobs are huge. I mean, I want to squeeze them. <sighs> Mama! Really? No way. Oh, yes, she is, isn't she? You know what? I can see that now that you say that. That image just popped into my head. That is my one of my favorite comedies of all time. It's so <laughs> under... It's I, I would say, in Liar Liar, in my opinion, is probably Jim Carrey's most underrated comedic role. That movie is a masterpiece, man. Dude, when you said that, the bell... Uh, it's like a light bulb went off on the top of my head. I can see that scene now. He walks in there, and, and he's like you're new to this building, right? And she goes, yeah. And he's like, how do you like it so far? And she's like, everyone is so nice. Everyone's so friendly. And he goes, well, that's because you have big jugs. And she slaps the hell out of him. Remember? <laughs> your boobs are huge. I mean, oh, yeah, your boobs are I huge. I want to squeeze them. I, I quoted that. Okay. Like I remember as a kid, 
when we were at like a Cub Scout meeting and I quoted that line or something I was talking about with a friend and my dad just like flipped the fuck out. He's like, Stephen, Dude, that's so it. funny. I don't, I it's don't think it's hilarious. And it's like, I don't think I, I would have made that connection. And that's one of my favorite movies too. It's, it's so funny. But yeah, that's, that's a great scene. Mm-hmm. You remember that scene, right, Luigi, where he's in the elevator? I do. You know, uh, one, one thing I have to say about her is that in terms of what she's written about herself, because, you know, when, when when we do these episodes of research, I mean, she identifies as a stand-up comic. I mean, she loves comedy. So it, it's funny. It's like, you know, she knows she's playing the sex pot, but she's also appreciates the comedy. So like that, I appreciate that because one of the things we keep talking about, Stefan, you know, to our listeners always is, this brand of comedy that we like with Married with Children is really like not something you find nowadays. Things are much more understated. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more sarcasm. Well, this is more like in your face. And especially this era of Married with Children. I've always said, you know, on the podcast, I really love the early seasons because I feel like there was a lot more emphasis on the writing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, now in season 10, this is, it's all visual. Yeah. I mean, the other thing we have to point out uh, which we said at the beginning of season 10, pretty much every episode or every other episode has a Playboy Playmate on it. Yes. When we get to our season 10 wrap-up show, we try to do rankings. It's going to be very difficult to come up with a top three because it's like yeah. you know, one after another, after another, after another. I mean, yeah, especially taking into into account the, you know, the spring break episode where we have what, three of them, I think, or four of them. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, is that I, <laughs> I, I, I sort of don't like it. I, I know maybe like some of the guys are going to be uh, maybe want to hit me over the head over this, but it's like, you know, you don't need to just have all this eye candy to be funny. Right. But this is sort of like the route that they took in season 10. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, is it because uh, Katie Seagal's not on screen? I mean, is, is it filler? Yeah. But just the fact that you have like girl in a swimsuit who's walking across, who gets like her five seconds of screen time. I mean, like to, to what's the purpose? Well, I mean, well, I think right? we, we have talked about how it, um, you know, we speculate that season nine, the show was like, they, they thought the show was going to be canceled. And so they kind of lazily came back with season 10 when it was renewed. One of the things that I've noticed now that we're doing this podcast, it, it never dawned on me before, but I think one of the challenges that season 10 had is, you know, we're missing Katie Seagal for half of the season. So that's one of your big six that you're missing. And also, Amanda Bierce is directing a good number of the episodes now. And by and large, the episodes that she's directing, she's either not in or she's only in one or two scenes. She's peppered in for 30 seconds or 60 seconds. So you have two of your big six characters that are largely absent in season 10. I mean, that's a hell of a challenge to overcome. Obviously, this is a, a, a episode that's centered around Al and Bud, but, you know, and, and I talk about that a little bit in my, in my rating at the end. You know, we're missing two of the big six in this episode. So I, I think no, that's, a, that's a big challenge. So one of the lines is uh, between Al and uh, Floyd is that they, uh, Floyd says, I got an idea. And Al says, divorce our wives and move to Saudi Arabia so we can both marry Crystal. I'm like, well, <laughs> I think the way it works is you can have multiple wives, but you know, like a woman can't have multiple husbands. But I thought that was funny, but yeah, it's all right. Women couldn't drive in Saudi Arabia at that time. <laughs> yeah. Plus, it's like, I, I don't know, w- w- would the guy want that anyways? I mean, 
would you want to share your wife with someone else? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Some people do. Hey, not, no, not judgmental here, but <laughs> I don't know. I think if Alex were on, I, I think he would probably want to share J-Lo with uh, Ben Affleck yeah. if, if he could. Yeah, maybe so, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny how that's like there, you know, with them like being back. Because it's just so timely because now it's been talked about on this show how, you know, decade nostalgia is always 20 years later. So now the 2000s nostalgia is beginning. And that is so Ben Affleck and J-Lo was so early 2000s. <laughs> Yes, it's just topical that it's come back. It's appropriate. Good for them, though. But first, I propose we talk to a publisher friend of mine. We can take this calendar national, make ourselves a fortune. But we still marry Crystal. Oh, sure, sure. Well, how, how much are you willing to invest? Ten thou. Great. I, I'll throw in ten too. <laughs> so we'll have twenty thousand dollars. Uh, no, we'll have uh, we'll have ten thousand and ten dollars. <laughs> no, but it was my son Bud's idea. I want half. Forget it. Look, Bundy, I'm taking all the risk. I mean, what if this is a touched-up picture? Woo! Hi, Crystal. Hi, Bud. Well, I'm touched. <laughs> and I'm up. Let's go fax this to the publisher. So now we have this. Uh, Big Floyd wanting to invest uh, 10000 And Al says that he'll throw in ten two. And we all knew what he meant. We all knew. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I think for us, the fans, like, I mean, Chris, you always talk about if you ever had to sit someone down that had never seen the show before and you show them an episode, right? Right. If you had someone who had never seen the show before and they see this particular episode, mm-hmm. they would probably laugh at that joke because they didn't see it coming. Right. But, I mean, to a super fan... We already knew, we knew exactly where they were going. Yeah, definitely. That's one of the things that I'm like, I have certain criteria. Like if I'm going to give an episode of five, one of the questions I ask is if, if this person had never, if I had a friend who had never heard of Married with Children, would I show them this episode? That's a question I ask. And then like, if I'm going to give an episode of below a three, one of the questions is, would I avoid this episode if I were watching it with a friend that didn't know much about the show? So but yeah, that joke would, I think a, a, a non-fan would have probably laughed at that, but most of us saw it coming. Yeah. So Crystal comes in and talks to Bud. So are you uh, ready for your photo shoot? Sure. Who are those two drooling geezers with little Floyd? Those, those were our fathers. That was, uh, that was Big Floyd and Big Void. <laughs> hey, Crystal, remember how I said this was going to be a class project? Uh-huh. Well, I've got great news. We are going national. Oh. Oh? I mean, this calendar's gonna be sold coast to coast, and all you can say is, oh? I can also say I'm sorry, bud. I can't pose for your calendar anymore. And Crystal says that she does not want to do the calendar when he mentions that it's going to be sold coast to coast. Watching this episode the first time, in my head, I was like, what's the problem? You know, so now we get to the, you know, to the real crux of the matter, right? Like, why why is she resisting this? Because, A, she's not naked, right? <laughs> she was okay with it being a class project. So I think being the first time I'm watching this, it's like, okay, what's the problem? I don't understand. And that gets us into the crux of it all. Mm-hmm. You know, she, and you know, the other thing you missed is she's obviously very attractive. So what's she, what's she worried about? 
And I'll tell you, I saw this episode for the first time as I was about 12 years old. I saw it first run. I did not see this ending coming. I, I had no idea that this this bomb at the end was coming. How about you, Luigi? <laughs> no, you know, because in my mind at the time, I was thinking to myself, is she like religious? Is this going to be right. something that's like, oh, like I'm, I'm going to be a nun. Crystal's going to go into a convent. Yeah. So yeah. She, she doesn't want to be like on this thing. Like I, I was thinking to myself, like what could what could the the punchline be? I, I kept expecting it for for it for her to be that she was somehow ashamed to be associated with Bud. Like she was going to say, well, it's okay within our school, but I don't want people knowing. Or I, I don't know. I, I didn't really know what was coming, but I thought it was going to be that she was ashamed to be with Bud or be ashamed to be associated with him or something. Which wouldn't make sense because she kissed him, you know, and she was going to do his calendar. <laughs> right. But I mean, but Stefan, at this point, I mean, from the first time you remember watching this, like, what was your assumption? Probably something religious. I guess I didn't pick up really on, you know, it a lot. Probably it was something, something religious, I guess. Or we could combine the two. How about this? So Bud drives her to become a nun. <laughs> could, be, could be the twist, you know. She humiliates him on national television. That way, yeah. <laughs> There's the episode in season 10 with Esmeralda. Mm -hmm. Remember Esmeralda and Carlos? So like, you know, like Bud has the romp with her. She's effectively like the sex maniac. Yeah. And you find yeah. out at the end that uh, she's going to go into a convent tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah. that's right. Yeah, they already, they already did that kind of. Okay. Yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, so the Esmeralda episode was Love Conquers Al, which was episode 12. So that was a few weeks ago. Okay. In Love Conquers Al, we already did the, the nun thing. So, I mean, in my head, I'm like, are we doing the nun thing again four weeks later? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I never saw this bomb coming. I'll say that. <laughs> and I'll no, say that. All right. it, it, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it when we right. get to it. <laughs> yeah. So we cut back to Al and Bud back in the living room. What do you mean she doesn't want to do it? <laughs> Don't you know how much money I've got riding on this calendar? Oh, yeah. I know. You had $10, Dad. That's beside the point. Don't you realize how many hundreds of thousands of dollars that $10 was going to earn? Oh, oh and you were going to share how much of that money with me? Again, we deviate from the point. <laughs> Look, Dad, I got her to come over. I'll talk her into it, okay? You better... Or I'm cutting you out of the will. <laughs> Wait a minute, that's no punishment. <laughs> I'm putting you in the will. <laughs> you little millions. <laughs> Al doesn't understand what's going on, and he's got a lot of money riding on this calendar. <laughs> and ten bucks in particular. <laughs> so now Kelly comes down. And she's looking smoking hot in that uh, top that she's wearing, with the jeans. That was a very 90s outfit. Yeah. Uh, what do they call them? Crop tops back then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kelly, I don't get it. Why would Crystal not want to be in a national calendar? I mean, if someone asked me to pose in Speedos, I'd do it. <laughs> Gee, bud, thanks for the visual. <laughs> Kelly, please help me. Crystal's gonna be here any second, and I still have no idea how I'm gonna convince her to be in my calendar. Well, why don't you try being sincere? What do you mean, like, like completely honest? <laughs> well, that goes against everything I stand for. <laughs> It'd almost be like talking to a guy. <laughs> well, that's exactly how she'll feel. <laughs> anyway, 
I'm gonna go upstairs and finish reading my calendar of the buns of Ukla. <laughs> so Bud says, if someone asked me to pose in Speedos, I'd do it. <laughs> it looks like uh, Christina Applegate's gonna vomit. <laughs> you know, and I think it has more to do with like you know. I think if I had said that to my sister, right? It's like, know, yeah. I, I, I don't. I don't think my sister would. You know, either of my sisters would like that. At that point, with Bud, it's like you set yourself up for that. You know, you did it to yourself, right? Kelly actually gives Bud some really good advice. She says, you know, she tells him to be sincere mm-hmm. and completely honest, which goes against everything Bud stands for. But that's really the Bundy credo, right? <laughs> Son. Always remember the Bundy credo. Lie when your wife is waking. Lie when your belly's aching. Lie when you know she's faking. Lie, sell shoes, and lie. So that really is our family credo? No. No, actually the family credo is Hooters, Hooters, yum, yum, yum. Hooters, Hooters on a girl that's dumb. But the father and me felt that you needed a wholesome message at this time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So Kelly goes upstairs and uh, she's going to go read the calendar of the buns of Ukla. <laughs> you know, Stefan, so, you know, so you're openly gay male, right? So, I mean, would you get buy yourself a calendar that had the buns of Ukla or Usk? I mean, if I was in the ni- if it was in the 90s, yeah. Or, well, depend if I was, you know, in the closet or not. Because the 90s was obviously a very different time than today. I remember one time, speaking of that, I remember when I was, I'm going to say maybe 7th or 8th grade. Remember I used to do Secret Santa at school? And I remember, like, one of the guys in my class, like, I, I ended up having to be, like, the Secret Santa. So I knew him. I'm like, what am I supposed to get him? And I remember I bought him a calendar of, you know, some girl in swimsuit. I'm trying to remember if it was maybe, like, Anna Kornikova. Mm. or something like that <laughs> but you know like, i just got came into my head it's like that was sort of like one of the things you would do back then but again like you know you just don't find as many of them nowadays as as they had back then although i do suspect that alex probably has you know some j-lo calendars right probably multiple ones dude i used to love anna kornikova <laughs> i'm you unlocked a memory uh i did have a britney spears calendar back in the day sure and I remember seeing them mm-hmm. again, but that's going back 20 years, right? right. 20, 22 years, probably like 90, 99, 2000 or so. I have a question, Luigi. So you did secret, your school did secret Santa in junior high. Yes. I went to a Catholic school actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, that sounds a little, I've, I've never, I was associated with a workplace. I, I will admit I do not like secret Santa. I've only did it one time for a job when I worked at a, uh, nightclub in my hometown and i mean i didn't like no i think i just re-gifted something kind of as like a gag gift and i just i think okay if you're gonna do secret santa everyone should list three things that they like i just i don't like it's like i don't know most these people it's like i don't know you well enough to know what you get what you would like and i don't want to you know offend you so yeah i'm sorry i'm I'm venting (laughs) No, no, it's fine. You know, like I, the way I remember it was, I, mean, I was in a class of, I, I don't know, going to say maybe 20 people. Yeah, I mean, I mean and that, it's, so you knew each other well. Okay, I, that is different. That's different. 
Yeah, so we all knew each other. And if you'd gone to a Catholic grammar school, pretty much everyone had been together for like nine years. That's legit. Okay. Now for myself, like I actually went to three different grammar schools. Mm. So I can't say like, so it was like literally three years each. So like, I, I, not like I'd spent a lot of time there, but like, you know, by the time you're, you know, 12, 13 years old, I mean, you sort of got to know everyone, but get in a small class. But I just remember it was like, the teacher was like, well, listen, instead of buying gifts for everything, we're going to do secret Santa. I think you couldn't spend more than like five or $10 or what, what not, or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I came up with this idea. It's like, so this guy in my class, I do, I'm like, you know what, like, what, what would he like? And I'm like, hmm. So like, I went to like one of the uh, malls. I'm like, okay, I think he'd like this, right? And he did like it. <laughs> <laughs> my previous profession, when I worked at a bank, that was pretty common every year. We did Secret Santa. What I do now as a flight attendant, it doesn't really work because like my my base here in Houston, there's over 3,000 of us. Uh-huh. And you work I don't with really know. different people every day. Yeah. And I like almost every trip, I work with a different flight attendant. And, and in many cases, it's someone that I've never met before, you know? So it just, it doesn't really work <laughs> in my, what I do hey, now. That, that, that's a blessing in a lot of work settings, trust me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. All right. So the doorbell rings and in comes Crystal. Hey, bud. You wanted to see me? Yeah, Crystal. Uh, I wanted to be sincere with you about this calendar and what it means to me. Okay. Uh, Crystal, I don't talk about my brother much. <laughs> but, well, uh, Judd and I... Uh, <laughs> We were, we were born Siamese twins. <laughs> we shared everything, but we had to. And then, then came that awful day when we, we had to go our separate ways. And I went to school and, and Judd went into a mason jar. <laughs> we don't expect him to live very long. I mean, he's not much more than a, an eye and a foot and some hair. But, you see, I made him this solemn promise that I would make him a calendar of the best damn good-looking girls at Tremaine. So, Crystal, if, if you can't do this for me, just, just do it for that little, little lost boy in the mason jar. <laughs> what do you say? Okay. <laughs> the truth is, I really need you to pose for this calendar because without you, it's nothing. I'm sorry, bud. I just can't pose for a national calendar. I mean, what if my parents saw me? It's not like you're going to be nude or anything. What would I be wearing? This. (laughs) That? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a large. (laughs) I'm sorry, bud. I just can't. You don't understand. Oh, Crystal, please, please. Look, you've got nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, you've got a great body. And, and don't worry about what your parents think. I mean, parents love their children no matter what they do. Damn you, Kelly! <laughs> you ate my last Hershey's kiss! You're in the will! No, Dad! Crystal, please. 
You are the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. And I'm not just talking on the outside. I mean, you should be proud of who you are. You know, maybe doing this calendar isn't such a bad idea after all. I'll let my parents know I finally become a woman. <laughs> Thank you, bud. You don't know how much this means to me. And you don't know how much that meant to me. And Bud gives her a story about his uh, Siamese twin brother, Judd. <laughs> <laughs> and it's pretty obvious she's not buying it. <laughs> the look on her face is just... Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. The, the, the look on her face is really like, I think, like what, what sells it for me. You know, uh, Chris, I, I didn't say this. When we, when we talked about Julia Tabblack back in season nine... One thing I'll say is like her facial expressions really did it for me. Yeah. In other words, her facial expression is better than probably like 10 lines of dialogue. And I'd say for uh, Krista Allen as Crystal Clark, that look on her face, I think, like said pages worth of like what's going on in her head. And I have to give credit for that. I want to call that out. But I will say the dialogue in this scene to me was the most real dialogue of the entire episode. Like, I mean, everything else is almost a farce, but the tender moment that they have with each other, that to me was like, was what made it real. I mean, like, it was believable. I, I, what, what do you guys think about that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you, you, could, you could tell right off the bat she was not buying it. And then her facial expression, when he finally owned up and told her the truth and said, look, the calendar won't work without, I forget exactly the words he used, the calendar is not going to be any good without you. You could tell she was excited and, and she was happy that she, you know, she was finally going to be able to be herself, that type of thing. Of course, we don't really know what be herself means yet, but <laughs> we'll soon find out. But, yes, yeah, she definitely sold that with her facial, the physical, the physical facial expression she was making definitely made it, made the scene. Yeah. I thought it was funny, you know, the, that little comic interlude. When he says, and don't worry about what your parents think, because parents love their children no matter what they do. <laughs> so Al, <laughs> Al comments that Kelly ate his last Hershey's clits. It's like, you're in the will. <laughs> I, I would say, um, for me, that was probably the my biggest laugh in the whole episode. Just <laughs> And again, and again, you know, Crystal just looks like, what the hell is going on? You know? <laughs> Who are these crazy people? <laughs> Yeah, you know, that, that's one of the things. I mean, so if you die, you know, that, that that's a, a question I'll throw out. I, I don't know the answer to it. Like, in other words, if you die, and let's say you're owing people money, like, I assume your estate, quote unquote, still owes the money, right? I mean, but if you don't have an estate, who the hell does that go to? I mean, is, I guess it just goes to no one. In other words, if, if, if I'm penniless, right? And like, let's say I, I, let's say my sons are the executors of my will, but I have nothing. And I, let's say I owe $100,000. They're not responsible for paying my debt, right? No, it, it, it's a good question. I, I saw a lot of this at the bank. It depends on how much money we're talking about. I mean, if you if you die flat broke and you owe $2,000 on a credit card, there's nothing they're going to do. If you die flat broke, now, now if you die with a couple million dollars in the bank and you know you got 
you owe $50,000 to this furniture store and you owe $100,000 on this loan and whatever on that, they could come after your heirs, you know, because your, your estate is being left to your children or your wife or what have you. They could come after that. But if you die flat broke and you owe money, they're not going to go after your heirs because that's, you know, that's just, that wouldn't right. be right. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Well, and it's, and it's just not worth the effort for them. The, whatever right. money I mean, it costs it's them almost, it's almost like, are you going to sue someone that makes minimum wage? I mean, you know what I mean? Are you going to sue somebody that makes $30,000 a year, $40,000 a year? Probably not. Now, if, if someone who makes a hell of a lot of money does something to you or, you know, punches you or wrecks your car or something, sure, you might go after them. <laughs> yeah, thank that's what insurance companies are for. <laughs> yep. And that's uh, what I work for, Stefan. <laughs> <laughs> so I could go to get into that, but all right. No, but I think Chris, you gave a good explanation on that. Yeah. I mean, something I'd never really contemplated before, but it was funny. All right. I guess the telling line is like, I'll let my parents know that I finally become a woman. Right. So, you know, once you, once you, we get to the punchline, like that line really resonates, mm -hmm. you know, sort of like that highlights it anyway. So now we cut back to the Bundy living room and we have Al and Big Floyd and Jefferson and Griff sitting on the couch. Oh, man. <laughs> is Crystal wearing really, really short cut-off jeans, or does she just have stonewashed skin? It doesn't matter. Hey, Floyd. Next time, let's do the 12 months of Crystal calendar. All Crystal, all the time. I think I can dig up about five bucks. <laughs> Dad, guess what? I got an A-plus on my project. I knew you wouldn't let me down, son! How'd you do, little Floyd? I got an A. Come on over here, son. Not you. Our son. Mine and Al. Hey, guess what? There's more great news. Crystal's going on Chicago Live to publicize the calendar. Floyd, can you say cut cheese? <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, dads. She is so hot. I think I'm gonna ask her out tonight. You can marry her with me and Floyd for all I care. <laughs> as long as she keeps making these calendars, she's family. And I love how Al and Floyd are wearing the same clothes. That's a nice touch. Yeah, that was kind of funny. One of the things that's what I thought was funny was a uh, bud. He calls them dads. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. his dads, guess what? <laughs> so he gets an A plus and little Floyd gets an A. Yeah. <laughs> and big Floyd calls here. Come over here, son. And he's talking about bud. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I got a kick out of that. You know, it's like, you know, bud, uh, <laughs> he has two dads now. And hell, the two guys, you know, Babcock and Al, they're friends now. All they care about is the fact they're going to make they're going to make some money, <laughs> or at least they think they are. <laughs> I mean, that's that's how Al is with you know anyone, even his own family. Yep, that's right. If he's, as long as he's making a buck, that's all that matters. Mm -hmm. So now we cut to Crystal on a TV show called Chicago Live. Hey, hey, guys, be quiet. Chicago Live's on. Now, Crystal, what made you decide to do a calendar like this? A wonderful man named Bud Bundy. With his kind words, he convinced me that I have nothing to be ashamed of. 
And uh, he's quite the kisser. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Everyone knows I kissed her. I am a god. <laughs> now, Crystal, you said there's something you wanted to tell the world live on our show. She's going to propose to me. <laughs> I do. <laughs> yes. It's time for my family and the rest of the world to see the person I've become. Bud Bundy has made me proud to be a woman who was born a man. Bud gets on his knees, right, thinking that she's going to propose. <laughs> yep. And they want to see, you know, the, show the rest of the world the person that she's become. And Bud has made her proud to be a woman who was born a man. Yep, yep. Awesome. And effectively, he is just frozen. Mm-hmm. And he appears to be frozen there for a very long time because the credits end... Uh-huh. And and there they are, sort of, even when we go into the credits, right? It was kind of creepy. Like, like it felt really creepy more than anything. I'm just like, ugh, you know, I, I don't know. That, that, yeah. She delivered that line really, really well, too, the way she stares into the camera. And <laughs> I... She was almost proud. I mean, like, the actress is proud that she's delivering that line. Oh, I mean, yeah. she's getting that comedic, she's getting that joke out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, I didn't see this bomb coming at all, but I, I really liked it. I, I put a lot of weight in, you know, I guess I'll talk more about this when I'm doing my review, my rating at the end, but I put a lot of weight in, in how well an, an episode ends or the closing joke. And, and I uh, to me, the, the closing joke was one of the things that saved this episode, I think. so. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, it definitely, like I said, I didn't see it coming. I remember I first, so I first saw this episode. I was in, I was with my mom. We were in her bedroom. My dad was like downstairs doing something else. And she, she's been a big Married with Children fan for a long time. She, she has a doctorate in education and loves so much trash TV. It's kind of awesome. <laughs> and so, That's great. Yeah, like that, South Park, Flavor of Love, list goes on. So she was like, and she, she um, this is before she had like an operation to correct her hearing. So she, she was like, she didn't hear it. She's like, what? What? And I'm just like, she's like, I was born a man. And she was just like, and she was just kind of, oh, you know, like, like, whatever, I, you know, I guess. This is a few years later. I mean, not like trans issues were really visible and much more visible in 2000 versus 96. I will say that I, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great twist. I would say right up there with the whole uh, Steve faking impotence. Yep. It's, I, it's, it's very well executed. I, I like how, you know, all of the guys, when they get up and leave, it's not like they're they're not like really disgusted. It, it wasn't like two years earlier with uh, Ace Ventura with that reveal. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. It, it was it was much more you know like which that very but that is definitely problematic today. I mean, this they were just kind of like okay, yeah, we're not going to make any money. They resigned themselves, and I will say this twist 
or joke. It it definitely would not fly today. Let's just be honest. Yep, it would not. I would agree. Yep. It would not. But I don't know if I think of it as being anti-trans or transphobic. I think of it more, you know, the, the joke is that, you know, she like led them on unintentionally, you know, and kind of like maybe dick teased them in a way. Yeah. But, you know, the, the thing that what, what to me is like the believability of it. I mean, let's be honest. She's a Playboy playmate. I mean, mm-hmm. I've encountered trans, you know, in, in my life, you know, plenty of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember I actually had a, a trans uh, woman hit on me uh, for the um, the annual Halloween parade in Greenwich Village when I was in college. Mm. I was with one of my classmates and like this very attractive woman comes up to me and <laughs> like she was like bantering with me. And he's like, well, like, why don't you get her number? I'm like, you, you realize that was a, a guy? <laughs> and they're like, what? I was like, yeah. I mean, I I just found that, like, you know. I, I just I just want to, Luigi, I want to just quickly say good for you for, hand, you know, handling that well, especially back then. You know, there's a lot of, you know, there's, you read about, I just want to say that, you know, without getting too political, you read about how many trans people get murdered especially trans women, no, of course, color, yeah. you know, and good for you for, you know, not flying off the handle. It's not a threat to, you know, you as a man. It's just, yeah. No, no I mean, and definitely not. I mean, and you know, what, what I'll say is I went to school in Manhattan, particularly in the village. And, <laughs> yes. Again, so yeah, you, 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 you've been around gay people your whole life. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, LGBTQ plus. And I know like, you know, some of those, like there's a lot of letters. There's more added all the time. It's it's one of those things where if if you're around it, I mean you're sort of used to it. Mm. But I mean to me, like when I get to it, it's sort of funny. But the thing was to me is the believability of it. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's like you know you have a Playboy playmate and you're really like again that that was the farcical side of it. It's like you want to think that this was uh, 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 you know someone who was born a man who became a woman maybe went through like some kind of transition because obviously it's like she's got boobs. I mean <laughs> it looks like a girl. Right. It, it, the believability sort of. There are some really good surgeons out there, you know, not, not yeah. just for, not just for yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know, but I'm just saying, but even in the nineties, like I could believe it more in 2022. Well, yeah. Well, yes, yes. Yeah. In, in 1994. That, that, that to me is like where, like, again, I had to sort of suspend belief. Mm-hmm. So I get the joke and I'm not saying it's not funny, but like I'm like I, I was really like a stretch for me. Like that was one of the, the issues that I had with this. Mm-hmm. I have to give Krista Allen a credit because it's like I, she's in on the joke. I mean, you like I said yeah. when she says that, she's proud of herself because she's you know it's being funny. I mean, and also look at the director. It's Amanda Burse. She yeah. was the first one to come out in Hollywood yeah. in 1993. She was probably one of the she was the pioneer in this yeah. space. So she, she's in on the joke as well. Four years. Four years before Ellen DeGeneres did. Correct. Yeah. 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 Right. So I'm just saying it's like, you know, I, I give them a lot of props at that point in time mm-hmm. to do this. Yeah. And I want to I want to touch a little bit on, you know, as a as a gay man, you know, with married with children, I thought for as, you know, as sexist and misogynistic as it's known for being today. And and it and it is in a lot of ways. It in terms of like LGBTQ plus really was not bad, especially for its time. You know, like the, the the one where Peg, 
met that guy dancing and we met his, we yeah, met, the dance show. And, yeah. And we met, we met his husband, you know, I mean, it was, and the whole, the whole thing, you know, where they're like, you wouldn't call it where I don't remember who did that episode, but where they're like, you know, they wouldn't call each other husbands, you know, in 1991 gay marriage wasn't legal anywhere. Well, I mean, that you know, even before, like before it was legal anywhere, there were some people who would refer to you each other as husband or wife. If you, you know, maybe you were married in your church, perhaps, or you just did it's what you considered, you know, whatever. Yeah, the, the, yeah, that episode. The only thing that was slightly offensive at the end of it was was Al saying he was a homo peg, and yeah. and even then it was not that was not like oh, you know oh, you know. But yeah, it's it, I, I thought the, the shine. A lot of that was probably due to. Amanda Bierce's influence. Yeah, yeah, that's a good episode. the The Homer Homer Simpson episode. That's what I call it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and you're right. I mean, and thing is, it's also about language. Mm-hmm. You know, like again, how language has changed. Like in other words, there's certain words that 25, 30 years ago that were common that are not used anymore. Yes. You know, like in other words, there's certain words that, with the passage of time, are no longer. I don't know. I don't want to use the word safe, but like the correct term right. to use. So that I could see, you know, from that perspective, it was funny. I mean, I, but I think what was to me, like the funniest part of that episode, you know, since we're on the topic was the fact that it's like, you know, Al being on the couch with Dan Castaneda, right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Who plays Pete and effectively just Al's whole thing is that it's not that he's a guy, right. (laughs) You know, because effectively he's, it's the whole fact that it's like, he's just like appalled that the fact that it's like uh, Pete is uh, the peg of his dreams, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, because it's like, you know, he cooks, he, you know, he works, he likes uh, to watch sports, mm-hmm. except for soccer, because that's not a man's game, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, like in other words, all that dialogue was effectively like, you know, you could have replaced Dan Castelletto with a woman, right? Because that's the way it was written, right? It was just written... So it would be like a, right. a heterosexual male, a heterosexual woman, yeah. but they replaced it with a gay man and it was the same dialogue and it was all deadpan. And it's like, and Al really didn't look at the fact that he was a man. Exactly. And I thought that that was brilliant because that was well-written. It was great comedy, right? And you got the point across because mm-hmm. I think like they, in a subtle manner, they got a point across that it was okay right. that the P character and um, Andy were gay, right. right? The other episode I remember that I really remember was the one where um, the Polkai football rematch, where their teammate transitioned. The problematic thing in that episode for me was how you know she, I mean, well, I, I will, I'll say it. They you know touch her without her consent, which obviously is like today, like whoa. I mean, you know, they 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 did they they kind of went past that. They didn't really you know focus on it after that and so yeah again you know again for you know 94 whenever that episode was i mean it's like you know jesus that would have been right around the time of the ace ventura thing which right which which ace ventura you know like the whole yeah again and ace ventura is the reaction of the the men you know they all when they see you know the the penis tucked poking out it's like you know oh you know they all spit because you know bully because they kissed her and with that it's not because there's the common trope is like gay or trans villain they're mentally unstable because of it goes back to like basic instinct and silence of the lambs the two early ones in the 90s which which and i say you know if someone's psycho you're psycho your orientation has nothing to do with it period 
but with Ace Ventura, it's because I assume you both have seen that movie, correct? Yep. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, the, the character of Lois Einhorn or Ray Finkel playing Lois Einhorn is because, you know, he did that to, for manipulative purposes. He slash she did not have gender dysphoria. So that whole trope is a no-go from the start. You can't you can't claim that trope. How how they reacted to it, yeah, that's not appropriate today. But the whole trans villain or whatever, it's for that one, no, it doesn't apply. Uh, but I digress. Sorry. If we're talking tropes, mm-hmm. you know, if you go back to, for example, Three's Company, John Ritter's character was supposed to have been a gay man, you know, living with two straight women, because he couldn't live, and that was the only way he could live in the apartment, and that was the whole setup. Right. Right. And they were always like that joke. But there were always certain tropes. Now, most of those tropes are considered antiquated today. Right. Yeah. Because, again, most people aren't in the closet. Excuse me. Not that they aren't. <laughs> there, are, there aren't many that aren't. It's just that it's it's more accepting uh, and like, open. It's, it's more accepting just if, for someone to not be in the closet and just be a normal person right? to live their life you know, <laughs> as they see yeah and and also you know some of those jokes wouldn't work anyways like in in the three's company situation the whole issue of why he had to pretend to be gay was the fact that his landlord wouldn't allow two people to live to or in this case three people to live together if they weren't married <laughs> but nowadays i mean who the hell cares okay you have your girlfriend living with you or you have your boyfriend living with you or you have a male roommate or a female roommate like who gives it who, who the hell cares <laughs> you know what i mean right but you know something but but that does go to like the social mores of, of the era yeah. if you go back 50s and 60s i mean it was that was probably very unheard yeah. of yeah but nowadays it's like oh what's to say it's like you don't know if there's a, a heterosexual couple if they're married or or they're just you know boyfriend girlfriend or whatever it is well right? i mean let's face it it doesn't matter the cost of housing today it's like you know save on rent or what it's like yeah it used to be that well it was socially frowned upon mm-hmm. right that uh, you know for these things but uh again moved on uh, i guess you know we'll, we'll get to our ratings mm-hmm. All right, so stay tuned, and we'll be right back. No, ma'am, we'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app, and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. And we're back. So, Chris, on a scale of one to five months, how many months will your calendar have in support of this episode? Well, let me first start off by saying, I think it probably comes to no surprise to listeners that I do have some issues with this episode. I kind of touched on them as we were going along. The first one being that, as we know, Katie Seagal is not present other than a very brief 30-second scene where she's in the limo. As we know, she was out on maternity leave here. Also, Amanda Bierce is not present. She's the director. So we're missing two of our our big six characters. So and that's 
going to be the going thing for many episodes throughout the, this this portion of season 10. Uh, and that's a challenge, you know, because you have to have episodes now that are basically centered around either Al, Bud, or Kelly with two of your main characters missing. The other issue I have is that there really isn't a very strong B-plot, you know. For me to, to really, truly, you know, love an episode, there has to be a good A-plot and B-plot. The B-plot is Kelly's looking at calendars for Usk and Ukla. And then we also have Griff and Jefferson that are, you know, spying on the on the calendar shoot, and then they're watching TV at the end. But there really wasn't a, a strong B-plot. Now... With that said, I did like the A-plot, and, and I will admit the writing was a, a bit sloppy at times. We touched on that. You know, a lot of the jokes really didn't land, but I did like the A-plot. I thought it was a strong idea, Bud developing this calendar and, and really having the hots for this girl, and, and um, you know, he gets to kiss her and all this stuff, and, you know, he, she's going to announce, you know, he's quite the kisser and blah, blah, blah on, on TV. You know, this is going to be a great moment for him. And then we get the bomb at the end. And I will say that when I'm looking at, when I'm rating a, an, an episode, one of the things that really helps it is having a good ending. And this is an episode that due to the issues with the B-plot and, and two big characters missing, I was probably going to go below a three on this. But I think that the, that ending really saved the episode. So I will say I like this episode. I don't love it, but I do like it. I find it to be funny. It has some good uh, good parts and a great home run ending. So I'm going to give it a three out of five. All right. Very good. So, Stefan, on a scale of one to five, how many months will your calendar have in support of this episode? Uh, I am also going to give it three months. That's actually what I was thinking even going into this. Chris, I really uh, second pretty much everything that you say. I think it's it starts the, you know, Peg's absence, Peggy's absence in the show, which again, you know, was justified, but she still was um, missed. They, they interspliced her in, but, you know, still was not the same. And yeah, the lack of Marcy in this at all, you know, it seemed like, she, it would be great for her to be like, you know, I can't believe you're doing, you're sinking to the level of your Neanderthal father, but you know, whatever she would say. A kind of a missed opportunity to have her included for just like 30 seconds or a minute. And uh, yeah, the, and as you said, there, there, there really was, I, don't, I wouldn't even say there was a B plot at all because Kelly, you know, he got the idea from Kelly and then, you know, with Griff and Jefferson, that was related to what he was doing directly they weren't you know oh we're like taking photo we're looking for you know, bigfoot in you know rural illinois or so that's why we have our cameras but this is so much better we'll do this instead a couple extra lines of dialogue would have could have addressed that but they didn't do that uh and i will agree that the ending saves it i would otherwise rate this a two but the ending definitely gives it a three for me it's like i said i think it's the the best twist ending of the show since, you know, Steve faking his impotence way back in like season three or whatever that was. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Hey, Stefan, by the way, I wanted to say thank you for uh, pointing out that the, the actress that plays uh, Krista Allen. Yeah. I wanted to say thank you for um, pointing out that that's the same girl from the elevator scene in liar, liar. I, I really can't believe that I never made that connection because <laughs> I love that movie. 
that's a masterpiece. But that that makes me like this episode a little bit more as well, you know. But and you know, another thing I'll add is, uh, you know, I mentioned that we're missing two of our big six characters, Peg and Marcy. We really don't get a lot of Jefferson and Kelly either. I mean, they're sort of peppered in the episode a couple of times, but they're really not important to the plot really i mean they just pepper them in a couple of times but yeah but yeah thanks man for pointing out that about krista allen i can't believe i never made that connection so so imdb is a wonderful thing it is <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely is all right well for myself i guess I'll, I'll give you guys the number at the end but um i was just not pleased with this episode you know i sort of uh, as we discussed it it's like I feel like, you know, the this whole thing about who the hell is this Babcock character? Like, we've never heard of him. You know, he's been in this shoe store for 20 years. I understand there had to be a construct. I feel like there could have been some continuity back with Morty. The fact that, you know, the entire dialogue between Floyd and Al is just purely farcical. I mean, you know, there, there could have been a little more realism. Like, Al could have been a lot more sarcastic, the dialogue for Al could have been a lot more sarcastic in terms of, you know, how he was insulting Floyd. And it's like little Floyd is like one of those guys that, you know, you just want to like slap him. <laughs> you know, he's got like this, uh, yeah. this face that it's like, like uh, he's just an annoying character. And I understand only, like the actor's got to do that. Yeah. The only other role I remember that actor in was there was a short lived, very short lived, uh, Chris, I don't know if you remember this show, from 1996, a Saturday morning show on ABC. It was called Bone Chillers. No, I don't remember it, that. It was based off of a uh, like a short-lived book series. It was literally like like a, a dollar store goosebumps. I'm not even kidding. That's <laughs> what it was. It is most known for, I, I believe, if not her acting debut, one of the first things uh, Linda Cardellini ever did. You know who she is, right? Sure. Yeah. I digress. Sorry. Let me interrupt. No. I mean, well, I'll, I'll you know, keep talking about this episode. I think that Krista Allen did an excellent job. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think she, she was, she actually centered, brought some realism to the episode. Yeah. I will say she is a, a really great actress. She's not just, you know, like, uh, like a quote unquote hot piece of ass. Like a lot of the women, the guests on this show. Even when, as we have uh, interviewed some people, you know, we found that, you know, they're a lot smarter than their uh, uh, on-screen characters. As you've said, you've got to be smart to play dumb. That's right. And, you know, but I think the fact, like I said, I give her a lot of credit for being a comedic actress. Her timing is excellent. I want to find her stand-up comedy now because I'm a pretty big fan of stand-up comedy in general. You know, between, you know, the dialogue that was written between Bud and uh, Crystal Clark, right, we'll use the character name, was very good. I think it made it believable. But everything else was just super farcical. And I just don't like that type of comedy. So I'm going to give this episode two and a half. So that's it. So, Stefan, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you know, the fans got to hear you twice so far this season, and I believe you're on deck uh, for a couple more episodes this season, so we're looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. Yeah, thanks for joining us, man. 
All right. Uh, Chris, anything else? No, that's it. I mean, you know, we talked about it. I will say, you know, it when, when I'm doing my ratings, I, I like to compare to different episodes. I will say I like this one better than Barely Men. So, like, I gave... Bar- I gave Barely Men a 2.5, so I feel like I had to give this one a 3. <laughs> I have not listened. I, I think Barely Men... Uh, what, what was that? Oh, I was going to say, I have not listened to that yet. I'm planning to do it on Monday when I oh, drive okay. up uh, to Duluth with see my friend. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Barely Men... I mean, uh, uh, of the regular Married with Children episodes, you know, not counting the spinoffs, I think Barely Men might be my least favorite episode that we've encountered so far. <laughs> it, it crossed into Looney Tunes territory. Yeah, well, well, it's funny, Chris, because you gave it a two and a half, so you gave this one a three. Right. I gave that one a two, so I went up a two and a half. So I think we both agree we like this one a little bit better. Yeah. And all, in all but, honesty, uh, I feel like I was, not saying much. Yeah, I feel like I was being pretty generous, giving barely men a two and a half. I mean, the way I see it is like, okay, top of the heap is a one. Enemies that we're going to do soon will probably be a one. I was I just going to say, yeah. yeah, I gave Radio True Main. I think I gave Radio Free True Main like a two or something like that, or two point five. I can't remember. I, I actually liked. Radio Free Trumaine, a, a little bit at least, but at least it's the, but. It's the best of the pilots. Yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed, yeah. I'll tell you, with Radio Free Trumaine, I actually enjoyed producing it mm. more than reviewing it. <laughs> and we had Jerry Herring on that one, which was awesome. The main thing about Radio Free Trumaine is, I mean, I'm biased because I love Carrie Russell. I always have. I think she is one of the most underrated actresses working in Hollywood. Yep. Uh, no argument from me. <laughs> But um, but again, but Stefan, thank you so much. So next week on the Married with Children podcast, Team Australian Stephen Scott will be reviewing The Agony and the Extra Sea. It is Marcy and Jefferson's wedding anniversary, but Jefferson is in the hospital, recovering from a physical trauma. Kelly and Bud visit Jefferson, and he recounts the events that led to his being hospitalized, starting with the party that the other members of No Man threw for him at the nudie bar. So thanks again, and tune in next week. As always, same Bundy time, same Bundy channel.